Uh, you guys, welcome. My name is Ryan Pfeiffer, lead pastor here at North Coast Calvary Chapel. If you don't know me, and we are so glad you're here. And uh, if you're new, then tell the person that invited you they owe you something free in the cafe. And uh, if nobody invited you as your first time, then come up and introduce yourself to me, and I will get you something. Come on now. We have good coffee in there, by the way. All right, guys, we are in for a special treat. We're in our series on the Holy Spirit. All right, we talked about the Spirit. The Spirit is God. We talked about how the Spirit fills us. We talked about how the Spirit transforms us. All right, today we're going to talk about how the Spirit speaks to us. And I asked our guest speaker today to help us not just learn about the idea that God speaks to us, but how, how can we be more in tune with the voice of the Spirit in our life? So that's what we're going to get this morning. You're in for a real treat. I want to invite my dear friend, James Chung, to come on up. Let's give him a round of applause. James Chung and I go way back. We go back two decades. We did ministry together at UCSD and got to see an amazing move of the Spirit on that campus as students came to faith. A key part of that surge of of God's grace on the campus at UCSD was students learning to hear God's voice. There's no one else in the world, seriously, no one, I would want to have up here teaching us about that than this guy right here. I asked this guy months and months ago to reserve this spot to be with us. He drove down from Torrance early this morning to bring a word for us. Come on. we got. So I won't just give him everything you've got. Um, give them all your attention. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. You guys are hungry. I love you guys. Uh, James, uh, a couple of things just about James. James, yeah, he is uh, a vice president with InterVarsity for strategy and innovation. Uh, he teaches all over the country uh, at conferences and at churches. And this is one of my favorite topics to hear him teach on. Uh, but also, uh, James um, just has an incredible integrity in his own life of hearing the voice of God. And so I'm really excited for him to share that with us this morning. So, James, thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, it's good to finally be here with you. I'm delighted to be here. And Ryan and I talk every week, actually, we, you know, a dear friendship. So I get to hear about how things are going here. And so, so glad to finally be here with you. Um, let me pray for us as we get started this morning. Well, Spirit, you are welcome here. Thank you for being here. And we pray, Father, that you would speak this morning Lord, if I say that anything from you, would you allow that to be like spring rains on desert hills that would bring the flowers and all things to bloom of you? And if I say anything that is not from you, you would just keep it from their memories as far as the east is from the west so that only your word would remain. God, it's been about you, is about you, will be about you. And so, Lord, we say, would you have your way this morning? Would you speak? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, it is the year 2023, and that means I've been married for almost 23 years. It makes it easy. I was married in the year 2000, 
So if I get that wrong, my wife will have my head. Um, but I mention that because that's been such a, uh, in my life, I love my wife. Her name is Jin Hee. And uh, that's one of the strongest elements as I think about it, a world that swirls. Um, Ginny is a, a big rock, and our relationship is something that I just cherish deeply. Now, her name, Jin Hee, in Korean means truth and joy. And so um, she's a professor of political science at USC. Um, you, just gives you a sense, she's very smart. Uh, and so when you meet her, though, she's a whole lot of joy. And yet, when I cross her, I get a whole lot of truth. You know <laughs> how that works. And so that's how we are in the relationship. And it's just a dear, it's a dear, dear uh, relationship. I'm so thankful that uh, I can't believe I got Ginny <laughs> to, be, to, to stick with me. Now, um, in all of that, not, I imagine I could have gone differently. And if I think about, like, for those of you who are married or uh, those of you who maybe may, might be married or have been, there's ways that uh, imagine instead that your relationship was different. Like, you're sitting there in your in your kitchen, and uh, you're at your, your dining table, and your spouse comes in. And just imagine, instead, your spouse doesn't say anything to you, right? Just walks in, no communication, no eye contact, no embrace, um, nothing's happening. And so you're like, ah, you know, I don't know. Like, what is this about? Um, and it continues, like, your spouse doesn't like give you any of the five love languages at all, right? There's no, no acts of service, no quality time spent, right? No gifts, no gift giving, no words of affirmation, no physical touch. I got all five this morning, this time. Um, like none of that. There's no, no sense of that. And you're just wondering like, I don't, does my spouse even love me? And it gets a little crazier. Your friends are all rallying around you. They're like, no, 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 your spouse, totally absolutely loves you. And they come around and they're always telling you every day, your spouse loves you, you don't got to worry about it. And they get a little out of hand in their support. They meet weekly to tell you, like, God, just, I mean, this spouse really loves you. And, you know, they, they start writing songs about it so that you can remember. And they play you songs. Everyone gets really into it so that they can show you that your spouse really loves you. They start take turns giving, like, speeches for 30 minutes. You know, about this, they write books to let you know how much your spouse loves you, right? It's like, it's, it's a little out of control, but deep down still, without any sense of communication, you're just left with, I'm not sure if my spouse loves me. I don't even know if we have a relationship at all. And a marriage like that feels far less like heaven and more like hell, really. Like, I, does my spouse love me? And I just wonder if in the Christian community, those of us who follow Jesus, like sometimes do we settle for a relationship with God that feels like that? That if we were honest with ourselves, we just haven't heard God speak to us in a way that feels like that God's talking to me. And even though everyone's telling me, God loves you and God wants to be in relationship with you, kind of deep down in our hearts, there's something that, makes us wonder or question because we don't know what that sounds like. We, if we're honest with ourselves, we haven't heard God speak. And I just wondered then, like then, uh, how then are we supposed to go? Like as Christians then, what do we do with that? How do we, what do we do with that desire and that hunger? Well, uh, this one I want to say, like, that's not actually the way the Christian life is supposed to be. Actually, for all of us, what a Christian 
one way you could say should be able to do, but I would say the invitation, what we could be able to do is that we can be in relation with God so much so that we could hear God speaking to us. And that somehow, however that plays itself out, that that's a normal part of the Christian life. And if that's so, then my hope this morning is that we can have some handholds to go like, well, then how does that happen? And for us to really dive in and to be open to the ways God might be speaking to us. Uh, I get this first from the Bible in John chapter 10, verses two through four. And this is Jesus telling a story about how God's relationship would be with his people. And Jesus says, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And this is an image from the ancient Near East where they would often have a common sheep pen for the village or the town. And so you put multiple flocks in there. That way they get into economies of scale so that not all the shepherds have to stay up all night for the night watch. They can take turns. And so what happens is they're all together in a pen. And then a shepherd, each, all the shepherds would come out in the morning to take their flocks out to graze. And so they would then do a call. Now, I'm not a shepherd, so I don't know what a shepherd's call sounds like, but imagine something like, or something. And as they say it, because what would happen is the sheep would know the voice of their own shepherd and would self-sort. And the sheep would know that and they would follow out knowing their own shepherd's voice and come out. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say, that in the cacophony of voices, whether it's the jungle drums in our own heads or what we're hearing in culture or family or expectations, that out of all the voices, we'll be able to recognize Jesus's voice and follow him. What? I mean, that should almost blow our minds that Jesus is saying that the God who created all of this put the stars in their place, that that God seeks such relationship with us that we would be able to hear his voice and recognize it and follow him. But that's what's being said. Um, Dallas Willard would continue on in this book on hearing God, and I fully recommend this as the gold standard for a book to, to learn about how to hear God's voice, to hear the Spirit. And this is what Dallas writes. Aside from their obviously unique historical role, and he's talking about Bible characters, however, they are not meant to be exceptional at all. Rather, they are examples of the normal human life. God intended for us, God's indwelling of his people through personal presence and fellowship. Given who we are by basic nature, we live, really live, only through God's regular speaking in our souls and thus by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He goes on to write, such simple reasonings add further weight to the example set by well-known Christians that confirm the thought that ideally we should be engaged in personal communion with God. We might well ask, how could there be a personal relationship, a personal walk with God or anyone else without individualized communication? And what Dallas is saying is, if in basic, in basic normal speak, he's an academic, in basic normal speak is in every relationship, there's communication that's individualized that goes both ways. We know that, we live that. And so when we're talking about a relationship with God, that's exactly supposed to be the case as well that there's a two-way street here. We're not actually designed to just give speeches to God in prayer, but it was meant to go both ways. <laughs> and then in some places, there's an old comedian that would quip like, hey, when we talk to God, we call that prayer. When God speaks to us, we call that crazy. <laughs> but no, in this case, 
This is how it's supposed to be, how we're in a relationship with God. It's meant to be a two-way street. And so in that way, every Christian, everyone who follows Jesus, I do believe the core, like that single core skill, the core thing that we do, if, if I've got to boil it down to one thing, it's that we recognize what God is saying to us in the everyday, and we obey what we hear. We learn to obey that, and that, that's how we grow in the spiritual life. Okay, well, if that's the case, James, you put the bar kind of high. Can you help me out? How then can we hear from the Lord? I'm going to start with something more basic uh, with discerning God's voice. Oh, I want to give an illustration. That's right. Here we go. Um, recognize these? Okay. On the, your left is what is called a telephone. Uh, you know, people under 20 are like, what is that thing? You know, can you remember the time when we used to plug that into a wall? And that's how we connected, like talk to each other through wires. I mean, this is wild time. And sometimes we think about listening to God this way. Like God has our number right? Boop, 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 rings us up. We pick up the phone. Yes. And the Lord speaks and it's really clear and open. And that's a pretty high bar. This happens. And you see it a lot of times in the scriptures where God just has someone's number and they have an experience with God and they talk. But uh, on your right, I think there's another analogy that's also at play. Um, and this, for those of you who don't know, is a television antenna. And what a television antenna is, it captures the airwave signals in the, that actually flows through the air, brings that down to the television set, which then decodes that image, decodes that signal into an image and a video that we can watch. And right now, as you sit here at North Coast, um, do you know there's hundreds of television shows running through your body as we speak, right? There's Dr. Phil that's running through right now. <laughs> a Cheers rerun, you know, there's probably like uh, a Spanish speaking soap opera running through, right? There's all these kinds of things that are happening right as we speak. All these television shows are running through your body, but because you don't have particularly, you're not built in with a TV antenna, nor do you have a television screen and a decoder, you can't pick up the signal without that help. But I do think a lot of us are wired spiritually with spiritual antenna because we're made in God's image. And whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, or maybe before you were a follower of Jesus, there are experiences that you've had that you've kind of been afraid to share with other people, maybe as a child, or there are things that you've explained to your parents, but they just said it was your imagination. But a lot of us are wired with some spiritual sensitivity, and some of us are wired with a lot of it. And some of those folks, when it's not redeemed, they start running psychic hotlines and all kinds of things like that. But we, do, we, are, we have a spiritual antenna, and God is a communicative God, always sharing good news, always wanting to be in relationship with us, and is sending us constant messages, constant ways to want to talk. And sometimes the art of discerning God's voice isn't just picking up the phone when he calls, but it's dialing in the reception so that we can recognize when God is speaking to us, because he's speaking to us all the time. And so how do you dial in? And that's the point. Um, in the book Miracle Work, it says this, and this is like the wide instruction that I think is actually truer than what I'm going to do after, but uh, might not be as helpful. But it says this. Um, here's the real key, and this is a book uh, Jordan Sang wrote on um, ministry in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit that's really accessible. Uh, but he writes this. Here's the real key. You discern the voice of the Lord by getting used to the voice of the Lord. That's it. It isn't a formula is familiarity. Our God is so relational that it doesn't surprise me that it works this way, right? And now you just start to learn. You learn it, 
by discerning, by familiarity, by habit, and learning it and learning it and learning it. Jordan Sang has this exercise where he would like, after he would teach this, um, he's a friend, he would just say like, okay, everybody close your eyes. And then he goes, who's speaking to you right now? And we all go, Jordan. And that's because after 10 minutes of just talking, if I did that to you and did the same, you would recognize my voice because we're becoming familiar. You're becoming familiar with it. And in the same way, that's how it is with God. As we're living in relationship with him, learning the ways of the kingdom, it becomes a familiar thing to us to be able to recognize what he's saying to us in the everyday. But I understand that you might want a few more practical tips than that. Um, So here's the first one. There are many ways that God does speak to us. And I'm just, here's a list, and it's not exhaustive of the ways that God can speak to us. He can speak to us through scripture, and this is the primary way that God does speak to us, is through the scriptures. Um, But what I'm talking about here is something different. Like, you all know that, for those of you who do follow Jesus and read the Bible, you all know the difference between reading the Bible for comprehension's sake. You know the difference between reading the Bible uh, and, and when the Bible reads you right? Like you're reading that text and all of a sudden it comes out to you and you know how you're supposed to respond. Like these days I've been really hanging out in Exodus uh, chapter 34 and the uh, reading about how Moses would come out of the tent in that text and his face was radiant because he was in God's presence. And it's grabbed me in a different way in the last few months of like, Lord, I just feel like there's an invitation from that word to get into God's presence as much as I can so that my face is radiant with his glory. So when people are hanging out with me, they're not just seeing me, they're seeing more of God. It's grabbed me. It's different than understanding it for comprehension. God spoke through the text to me. The spirit can do that through scripture. Does that, are you hearing what I'm saying there, the difference? But also... Uh, he could speak to us in words. We might be praying. We might see a word. Uh, we might see images as the way as we pray. Uh, there might be a way that we see an image and that means something for us. Could be visions. Could be symbols. Symbols is, is a weird way to talk about it. But in the scriptures, sometimes you'll see an Old Testament prophet see something like a symbol for something and it means something else. An Old Testament prophet once saw an almond tree. And in the Hebrew, almond also is a pun for the word to look. And so he heard from the almond tree, what God was trying to tell that prophet was, now look. Or here's another example. Um, one prophet saw uh, um, a basket of ripe fruit. And you're thinking, that's a good image, right? A cornucopia of fruit. I'm ready to go. And then God says to you that, The time is ripe for judgment. (laughs) You know, so these are codes, symbols that sort of mean something else for other people. Um, And that's a way to keep learning. Dreams, God speaks to us in dreams. A lot of people in the Muslim, uh, believers who have a Muslim background, um, so many of them have become Christian through Esau, Jesus, meeting them in their dreams and then telling them where to go to meet other Christians. I mean, that's a whole thing on its own. Um, people, other people can speak and in ways, again, where someone speaks to you and you get a sense that God is speaking through that word. Um, Sensations, sometimes as you're praying, you might feel uh, electricity going up and down your arm, a warming of the hands, other kinds of ways that God might be trying to get your attention. Uh, And I'm not saying all of these things are the ways that God speaks to you. Just because you're shaking a little bit, I'm not saying that absolutely 100% means God is speaking. You just might be cold. But 
There are ways that in this, you're just paying attention. God, are you trying to speak to me through these things? Emotions is another way. I was praying for, a, at a retreat setting, I was praying for a UCLA student. Um, and as I was praying for him, uh, a taller African-American gentleman, um, I put my hand on him. And right when I did that, I just got a, a wave. I just felt a wave of sadness. And I felt very, very sad. Right? And I remember saying, like, um, as I'm praying for you, are you carrying a great sadness? And he starts, he just falls, and he, he starts weeping. And we have a time of prayer. Um, I just felt like that was the Lord telling me more about what was happening for him in that, in that arena. Um, smells? I'm going to leave that there. Uh, <laughs> there. There are ways a guy can, can do that. Some of this happens in other kind of ministry in terms of uh, spiritual warfare, but I'll just leave it there. Songs? And uh, nature. So songs. And obviously through worship, God can speak to us in the song. There are certain songs. There's a song right now, You Are Worthy of It All, that is speaking to me deeply um, for, uh, in that way. And then nature. There are ways that as you go out and you're under God's creation, you sense God's presence or him speaking to you through it. And again, not exhaustive, just trying to open up the scene a little bit. Right? And say like, God can speak to us in so many different ways. But then how do you discern if it's from the Lord or not? And it's with that that I want to offer five questions I ask. Uh, and this will cover, what, 80% of it. There's another 20% that you'll still have to figure out through familiarity. But I'm hoping to give you some guidelines along the way in order to be able to hear what God might be saying. So the first one is this. Is it biblical? That's an obvious question to ask. Um, and it says in Acts chapter 17, and this is, I feel bad for the Thessalonians, but here we go. Um, now the Berean Jews were more, more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And so this is what the Bereans did. They were open-hearted, right? Lord, speak. You could speak to us. But then they went back to the scriptures to test to see if it was aligned with the Bible. And that's a great step to hear, like, is this from the Lord or not? Definitely you want to ask, is it aligned with the scriptures? Um, if you're from Thessalonica, I'm very sorry. You're just not as noble <laughs> as the, those from Berea. Um, and that's there. And that's a way where a lot of that, if someone is just hearing, like, I'm just hearing the Lord telling me to do something violent, let's say, then you just go like, ah, and go ahead and bring up the scriptures or other kinds of things. I think the Lord's calling me to judge this person and call them out in front of everybody. Ah. <laughs> Mercy triumphs over judgment, right? There's ways that you can use the scripture to, to help you with that guidance. Um, second, what is God saying to you through prayer? We did talk about this already in John chapter 10, that the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. But it, I put it there, it's just sometimes as people are trying to discern the will of God in their lives, uh, like, James, what job should I take? Or, you know, uh, is the Lord calling me to this school or to this kind of neighborhood, that kind of thing where that's happening? Just find that it's, it's good to always ask, so when you're praying about it, what does God say to you? Because I want them to have two, I'm, what I'm challenging them about is one, I want you to pray about it. Because a lot of times people go like, ah, I didn't pray at all about it yet. But also I want to challenge them to listen, to hear what God might have to say in that rather than just saying something to God. So just that's why I'm asking about when, you're, when you pray about it, what do you hear? Third, I love this question. This is my favorite question of the five, but not necessarily the most important, but my favorite. I ask, what would you do or think if fear was not involved? I get this from 1 John chapter 4, where in the letter, 
God is equated to love, right? God is love, God is love. So by transitive property, those who are mathematicians out there, then anytime you see the word love, you can say, you can replace it with God in many ways. And so there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made of perfect love. So if it's in God, you won't be afraid. Or there's ways that like God calling you beyond that fear into what he wants. So if you take fear out of the equation, what would you do? So you might feel afraid, but you're taking it out of the equation and pressing in. Does that make sense? Um, that's different than an Old Testament fear of God, where it's an awe or a reverence for a holy God that's there. This is the kind of stuff like that's just saying, God's asking me to do this. I'm really scared about doing that. And it keeps you from trusting God, a fear that keeps you away. Because the opposite of faith is not doubt, right? You need doubt in order to trust God through something. The opposite of faith is fear, because fear will keep you from trusting. And so you're asking, if I take fear out of the equation, what would I do or think? And you might enter into something closer to discerning God's will or his voice. Fourth, fruit. Will it help you become like Jesus? Um, the fruit of this, uh, it says that no tree in Luke chapter six, Jesus says, no tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit, right? So that's a good thing. And then Paul riffs on the idea of fruit in Galatians chapter five. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace for parents, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against these such things. There is no law. And so if you hear something from the Lord, or if you're offering something that you've heard from God, what I'm asking is, is this making you or the community more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more good, more gentle, more faithful, or self-control? Or are you doing the opposite by saying something like, I think God is saying this, and it comes out in a way that's full of hatred, that's dour, that it's anxious, that's impatient, right? That it's, it's rough, it's just evil, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's sort of makes you uh, question whether you should trust or not. Those are the kinds of things that are there. Sometimes um, people, as they speak on behalf of God, they, they get so strident about something that they sort of force their word on you. Do you know what I'm talking about? I heard from God and he says this, and it can come off in a really judgmental tone. It could come off in a way that just creates division in the community. And you could just say like, that doesn't seem like it's bearing the fruit of the spirit. So you might have something so far, but I don't think it's fully baked. Can you go back and keep praying and hearing what, the God, what God is saying? Because as you're saying it now, it doesn't feel like it's from God. Right? Don't let the Holy Spirit be an excuse for arrogance. And instead, there's this call to a humility, and it should bear this kind of fruit. And the fifth thing is the question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, actually, the slide before is excellent. Um, the one who prophesies, and prophecy is just a word to mean hearing from God and giving it to others, what you hear, um, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's the purpose of sharing a word from God. Isn't that great? And if then it's not, if it's discouraging, if it tears people down, if it's making people really, really like, oh, I'm not sure about this, then you got to check whether it's from God or not, because it's not fulfilling that purpose. Right? So hearing from God is not an excuse for judgment. <laughs> Can I just make that super clear? Um, you might be hearing a truth from the Lord, but you're not giving it in the right spirit. 
So then go ahead and check that because it should be in his fruit. It should make you more like Jesus as you offer it. And then lastly, what does the Christian community say about it? And I just think that's a huge part of it. This is a text that Jesus is talking about, Matthew 8, that has, 18, that has to do more with uh, discipline. How do you take care of kind of issues in the church? But he does say when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with, in the midst of them. And it's this great mystery. And the great mystery of faith, faith wasn't meant to be a solitary exercise. It was meant to be done in community. And something in the community, there's something about that that Jesus is saying where more of God's presence is there and more of God's discernment is possible. This is what's great about living in the New Testament time rather than the Old Testament time. In the Old Testament, right, when you heard from the Lord, it was like a prophet heard one person in every generation, right? Like it um, so much so that if you said something that didn't come true, you're supposed to like punish this guy. You're supposed to stone him, right? To some degree. So they were exercising some tight editorial control, right? So to, almost to say like to, to share a word from God or to hear from God, it's so much safer now because in Joel chapter two, it was foretold that in Acts chapter two, the spirit would be poured out on all people. And so the locus of discernment moved from one individual in a generation to a community of faith. It's now safer to try to hear God's voice, to submit that word to the community and say, what do you all think? Instead of stoning you, we can actually start to help each other to hear God's voice more. Isn't that great? You can leave your stones at home. And in that way, we are then helping each other hear God more together. So beware the person who hears from the Lord and is unwilling to submit it to the discernment of the community. Right? because that's not how it's meant to be. We are supposed to have two or three weigh what is said together, and that's how we hear the Lord better. Through the scriptures, through prayer, through checking out whether yeah, is fear involved, in the way that it shares this fruit, in a way to do it through community, these are the five ways that could help us discern more what God might be trying to say to us. And in that way, that's how we hear. Uh, Ryan mentioned I work with University Christian Fellowship. This is how we met. Uh, and this is the main way that we disciple students and faculty is that we want people to hear the word in all these different ways to respond, but primarily through scripture, but all these different ways, respond actively to it because we feel if it's a word from the Lord, there's a response asked from it. And then we debrief and interpret it in community. And if you do hear, respond, debrief, and you keep circling that through over and over, can you like not help but grow in familiarity and in faith? Here, respond debrief. If you just asked each other at the end of every small group, what is God saying to us and what should we do about that? Would that do something different? Would that move a community forward? And this is how we help our students and faculty learn to follow Jesus um, and to hear his voice. So with that, there's two disclaimers I wanna to add. Oh, this is good. Henry Nowen um, has a quote. That basically says the core of all prayer is indeed listening, obediently standing in the presence of God. That prayer wasn't just about speeches, but meant to be able to hear from God. Our Bible studies aren't just meant to say that we read all 66 books and put them on our spiritual um, belt of pride. It's really to show us how God spoke to us in the past so that we can recognize how God is speaking in the present. That's why we study. And then we actually meet in community, not just have great fellowship, although that's fantastic, but we're helping each other discern what God is saying to each of us so that we can respond to what God is doing in our lives. 
And in so doing, you can see how these things are really at its core, listening to God so that we can respond to his initiative. There's two disclaimers I want to share, though, as we go. Right? First, the results are not up to you. Um, it says in John chapter 15, this is Jesus talking again. Remember what I told you, servants are not greater than their masters. So if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And then Paul in Philippians chapter 3 says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's like, we're in for the power of the resurrection. Come on. And the fellowship of his suffering. Paul, you kind of lost me right there. <laughs> but there is this thing where if we're following faithfully, we can imagine there will be power and resurrection in our lives, but there will also be suffering. And that's a part of the faith, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Why am I bringing these things up? I am about to turn 50 in a couple of weeks. Whew, I'm ready for my sixth decade, y'all. For those who here there, how is it? <laughs> um, we'll see. Um, uh, but in all of it, um, I used to think in my 20s when I heard something strongly from God that it was like, a, it would be like easy street. All the lights would turn green. All the doors would open. God would make a way out of no way. And it was going to be delicious and glorious. But now as I'm about to turn 50, if I hear a word of God that strongly, I brace myself. Because I wonder like, hmm, well, why did God think I had to hear that that clearly? <laughs> it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Right? So no, the results are not up to you. This is not a ticket to like, you know, your best life ever, your Instagram style life that you can share with everyone. That's not what it is. Um, it's an invitation to faithfulness and sometimes an invitation to suffering. Two, um, not only are the results not up to you, the other disclaimer I've got is that what you hear may change. And I use Genesis chapter 22 as a text to teach us about this because it's wild if you think about it. In Genesis chapter 22, there's a story in the scripture of a guy named Abraham. God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, this is, that's a tough word of God. And if you hear something like that today, Really run that by our community, please. <laughs> okay? But then what's happening here is, oh, so go back to that text in verse 2. God is like really leaning into him, right? Saying like, take your son, your only son, whom you love, just kind of kneeling him. And then Isaac, which means laughter in Hebrew. Then your joy, your delight, and sacrifice him there. What a hard word to receive, right? Now, 10 verses later. <laughs> he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What? What's happening? God, in verse 2, told him to sacrifice his son. And in verse 12, is telling him not to sacrifice his son. Is God schizophrenic? Does he not know what's going on? Is he just wishy-washy? What's happening, God? I thought you were consistent, that you don't change. What's happening? Well, God had a certain word for Abraham here at this point in his life that needed, he needed to hear. And as they're in relationship with each other, God has a different word for him here. 
that he needed to hear. And so much so that if Abraham actually sacrifices his son in verse 12, he's disobeying the Lord, even though he heard it clearly in verse 2. So when it comes to your calling or your life in God, it's not about trying to get the right word so your life will be perfect. It's about staying in relationship with God so he can give you the in-time message you need. And in so saying, this is what Dallas Willard says as he picks that up. We must therefore make it our primary goal, not just to hear the voice of God, but to be a mature people in a loving relationship with him. Only in this way will we hear rightly. It is not about trying to get your lottery ticket of truth from the Lord that you can hang on to and forget about God after. It's about keeping that relationship abiding, staying in step, so you can continue to hear what God is saying to you. Um, it's the kind of thing that I have to keep learning to do. <laughs> and uh, I'm still trying to, I, I, I'm better at it than I've been, but I still keep learning. And one story that I want to talk to you about is I, I, I mentioned my wife uh, of 23 years. And there was a point where we have three wonderful kids, um, but after we had two, we started fighting a lot because she wanted to have three and I just wanted to keep it at the two we got. You know what I'm saying? So we were fighting over that a lot. Uh, after our second was born, two years passed, she starts thinking, maybe we should have a third. I'm thinking, maybe we shouldn't. We had two boys. I was like, I'm done. This is good. I kept reminding her, like, Chinhi, do you remember what we talked about in premarital counseling? You said two. And she goes, I just said two. I wanted three. I go, what kind of premarital counseling is this? You just told me what I wanted to hear? What is this? This is messed up. But we were starting to fight a lot. And over three years' time, we started to really go at it because she really wanted a third kid. I really did not. <laughs> I felt like, um, for those of you, you know, some of you, like, they say, like, following Jesus, like, that is the thing that changes your life the most. And I do agree. That is true. Over time, that's the thing that changed me the most. But the thing that rocked my world, like, the event that changed my life completely was when I had my firstborn, right? And my lover became a mother, and I became the help. <laughs> do you know what I mean? All of a sudden, all of that love and affirmation just went to this little crying bundle of ego. And I was like, I'm competing. <laughs> with this little guy. I don't like him, and I didn't like him. And that's how it went. This is like, kids messed up my life. Uh, sorry, Isaiah, when you watch this later, I'll explain. So, as we're going through all that stuff, um, we're fighting. We're really fighting over having this third child. There's even one point where we're, we're driving, uh, it's a driving from London to Edinburgh. It's supposed to be about a six hour drive. It turns into 12 because of traffic. But we're fighting. We're arguing all, the, all after the kids go asleep, go asleep. We're arguing about having this third kid again. And I remember one time my wife just goes really quiet and just gives up the fight. And I just thought that was weird because that's not how our fights usually end, right? Truth and joy. Did you not remember? Uh, she's very strong and I love her for it. But that's how we tend to go at it. But all of a sudden that's there. So I, I, but we're fighting a lot in this season and not, and not knowing what to do with that. Um, I remember then, uh, kind of after the, at those three years, I'm, I'm at a conference, um, and it's a, it's a large conference, and they were inviting people up for front to receive prayer, and I, it was around a particular spiritual gift, so I went up to get it. And as I wasn't there, because there were so many people there, I was just left by myself. And as I was sitting there praying and sitting in, front of, uh, in God's presence, I heard God say these words. I heard God say to me, 
She has never stood in the way of your dreams. Why are you standing in the way of hers? Yeah, word of the Lord. I think I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Conviction kicked in. And I was like, Lord, if this is your will, I submit. On the drive home, I'm calling my wife. I'm saying, Ginny, I heard God say this. I'm ready to roll. And she goes, what? <laughs> like I said, we've been fighting for three years. And it's like, oh, okay, well, and you know, then the calendars come out, all the planning happens, <laughs> you know. But, you know, as these things go, for those of you who've tried to have children before, we get pregnant immediately, right? And the third kid is on the way. Um, later on, um, and this is where this goes down. Remember that fight that we were having on the drive to Scotland? Uh, my wife said she got quiet. And I remembered why she, that was because it was so weird that it happened. She said in that moment, she heard God tell her, and these, this was like months before that time when I was at the conference, she heard God tell her, you're going to have a daughter. She's going to be a leader for my kingdom in your generation, in her generation. And that made her have peace and she just let it go trusting that God is going to nudge me. Isn't that not fair at all, right? <laughs> so not, so not fair. Uh, and then God spoke to me. And so we named our kid Jamie. She's named after me. Because James in the Hebrew means one who overthrows. And I've carried that name as someone who's aligned with God and his kingdom. I overthrow kingdoms of this world for his kingdom's sake. And I'm inviting my daughter into the same business. The word of the Lord. <laughs> what, but what? You just, and when that happens, you either submit or you fight, but someone else is going to win that fight. You know what I'm saying? And that's how we, there are ways that we interact. And this is how faith is supposed to be. They weren't meant just to be stories on a page. They're meant to be us. We can live with God in such a way where the spirit speaks to us. God speaks to us. We can recognize and respond. So actually, I don't want to just keep it here. I want to invite you all to do the same. So if you're able, would you stand up? And uh, from that point on, it's totally up to you. If you feel uncomfortable as we're going through, you feel free to check out or just go to the cafe and ask for your free coffee. Say it's on Ryan. Because um, really, I don't want you to feel compelled into any of this. You know, God is always wooing. He never compels, right? He's always trying to, he never forces us. So that's the spirit that we have here. But my encouragement is to be like the Bereans, to be open, and then to test what you hear with the scriptures. Yeah, great. The worship team's coming out, but I'm, as they come out, I'm just going to invite them not to do anything. We're not going to lower the house lights. We're not going to play any music. We're just going to let this be silence because I don't want anything to... Um, not that that is often a distraction. It's great. Worship's great. But in this place, I want to make it so that it's just silence and that you and the Lord can, um, can speak and hear. I'm going to do that. Um, what I'm going to be offering to you is what I'm calling modified Ignatian exercises. Um, in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, so this is centuries old, if you read that book, one of the ways that St. Ignatius invites us to pray is that he says, imagine yourself sitting on a bench and imagine either Jesus or God sitting next to you on a bench and then have a conversation. And that was prayer. And in that same way, I'm going to invite that kind of conversation. It's really not, there's nothing magical about the format. It's just a way to give you a way to focus about what God might be trying to say to you. 
So with that, if you would mind, those are standing, or if you're sitting too, you can, if you can put out your hands um, in a posture of reception. In Greek and, uh, sorry, in Christian and Hebrew spirituality, the body and the soul are connected. And so often in the Hebrew, the words for worship are like to raise the hand or to bend the knee. Um, this is a similar thing. And we're saying through our bodies, Lord, we're open to what you have to say to us. And I'm going to invite you to some, uh, what we call listening prayer. I'm going to give you some prompts to just interact with the Lord. It gives you a place to focus. And again, if you feel uncomfortable, feel free to, to check out. So in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine a comfortable room in your house or the place that you live. And in that place, sort of take a look around at the house, uh, at the room. And find a place to sit and sit down in it. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. We know that you're here. Lord, if you want to share something with us, if you want to say anything to us, would you speak? And anything that I say that isn't from you, Lord, uh, sorry, anything, uh, in this space, uh, keep anything that is not from you um, away. And Lord, we just invite your presence, you, this, you, you, who you are into this place. And Lord, if you've got a word for us, speak. Your servants are listening. So here, you're in that place. You look around the room. What do you see? And as you're sitting in this room, sort of take stock of yourself. Uh, how are you feeling? What are you thinking as you sit here in your room? As you're sitting there, you look up in your mind's eyes and you look to the door and the door opens. And as it opens, Jesus walks into your room. What does Jesus look like? What's he wearing? And at this point, some of you are having a hard time seeing Jesus. This is where I would suggest um, it's, it's important to see him if you can. So ask God. You're like, ah, I'm having a hard time seeing you. I'm having a hard time seeing. Would you show yourself? And just, you can pray that. And would you show yourself? Would you help me see you? Yeah, what does he look like? What's he wearing? When you look up into his face, what do you see? What's the expression on his face? Jesus enters the room and he comes right to you and greets you. How does Jesus greet you?
after the greeting, he sort of takes a step back a bit, looks at you. And you could tell by the look in his eyes that he loves you, loves you tremendously. Then he leans in and he says something to you he's been wanting to say for a while. What does Jesus say? Lord, whatever is from you, seal that work in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Cast out anything that is not of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, have a seat. Um, typically in this space, if we had more time, I would have you turn to a neighbor and share what you heard. Because again, we discern in community, and there's something in the sharing that makes that more real. And my encouragement is, if you did hear something, to share it with somebody else. Um, but I do want to uh, ask, and this isn't for me, this is really for the community to see. Um, if, uh, how many of you, by a show of hands, heard something meaningful from God in this moment? Okay. Yeah? Like 40%. Okay. You can put your hands down. That's a lot. And it's cool to see that that's happening. Uh, I would imagine also for those of you who didn't, you might have saw something, but you just weren't sure that was from God, my invitation is to submit that again to community, right? Begin to talk that through. There might be elements that are from the Lord that you aren't able to recognize. There might be just something like, you know, that was like the burrito yesterday. Don't worry about that one. Um, and that's okay. That's how we discern. Um, and for those of you who didn't hear anything at all, that is not a sign that God, does, that, that God doesn't love you. Again, we do not like kick the vending machine and demand an answer. It's about coming into relationship with God. And my encouragement is to be like the Bereans. Stay open. Keep leaning in and see if the Lord will do that uh, as, so as you go along and to keep asking. Because I believe at some point, as you, the Spirit is in you, that God wants to communicate with you. And then lastly, for those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus and you're in this room because you're checking things out, which is so cool, you can absolutely hear from the Lord. God can speak. There's nothing that can hold them back from you. So the encouragement also for you is to keep open and to keep listening. For there's a way. You can absolutely, once the Spirit, once you follow Jesus and you trust your life into his hands, you're going to hear a lot more clearly. Oh, absolutely, because the Spirit's now in you. But if you're still just checking things out, of course God can speak. God wants to speak with you too. And my invitation is to lean in and to listen. So Lord, uh, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. You are a God who loves us and speaks. You don't relegate yourselves out into the margins of the universe. You have created all of it, but you love coming close. You are a God of love and grace and joy and hope and beauty and wonder. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us too much to just leave us alone. So Lord, we put ourselves again into your hands and we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you speak. And I pray that you continue to lift off all the obstacles, all the things that get in the way of you speaking regularly into our lives.
Lord, would you have your way with us? Would you continue to speak for your servants are listening? And we pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks, James.